What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe in Portland, Oregon. This spot offers free live music every Thursday night throughout the summer from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. and Sunday brunch tunes from noon to 2 p.m. with DJs spinning vinyl. Lots of dance parties both day and night are on the summer calendar as well, featuring events from Global Based and other promoters. They are located in inner southeast Portland, and aside from offering free music every week on their patio, they've got a killer brunch menu on Saturdays and Sundays. The Migas and the breakfast sandwich are lights out, and the lunch and dinner menu doesn't slack either. Come through and check out some tunes over there at Produce Row Cafe, as well as their new summer seasonal cocktail menu. This is a great spot to grab some food and some drinks and enjoy some tunes with friends or family. Appreciate Produce Row being a supporter of the podcast and the local Portland music community. Now let's start the show. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, and that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast, and uh, just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate all the people that have already taken the time to do so. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. 
tell a friend about the podcast. You can also check out the monthly playlist that I've been dropping every first of the month on Apple and Spotify, pretty spread out genre-wise, much like uh, the music that you hear on the, the podcast as far as uh, trying to stay wide and covering a wide range of genres, but also just a snapshot of some of the stuff making it into my um, DJ sets and uh, just stuff I'm listening to regularly throughout the month, whether it's uh, Portland local stuff or, or things from from elsewhere. So all the links for those will be in the episode notes. Hope everybody is doing well out there. I am uh, recording this a few days before this episode's release as I am getting ready to leave today for another two-week run with High Pulp, the uh, the seven-piece experimental jazz band based out of uh, Seattle, Washington. I'm stoked to be doing another tour managing run for them, mostly uh, all California, so a bunch of places that I have mostly been to before, but I am from about 40 miles outside of Los Angeles, so it'll be nice to be close to home and hopefully see uh, some friends up and down the coast there. So check out the the High Pulp tour dates. If you're you're hearing this on release day, we'll be in San Diego on September 23rd and then making our way up to Oakland and Sacramento. Um, Reno is in the mix and then uh, heading back up to the Pacific Northwest with Eugene and Portland and finishing up in Seattle. So I'm excited to uh, get to spend some time on the road again with uh, all these these lovely people. And uh, although I'm going to a bunch of cities I've been to before, I'm going to uh, some venues that I've never been to. So that's always uh, cool to get to see some some new spots in that way, and I'm sure I'll, I'll hit you with a, a tour diary episode amidst the travels or to, to wrap up the two-week run, and I'm also uh, I'm going to get some podcasts recorded with some, some folks while I'm out in LA for a few days before we actually leave, so stoked for all that, and I'm pumped to get into episode 326 Austin, Texas-based producer Fennec is on the podcast. Sweet to spend some time with this dude. I stumbled upon his music a couple months ago, and since then I've had some of his tracks from his most recent record, A Couple of Good Days, in my regular rotation. And uh, it was cool to connect with him, and I found it very interesting to hear about his process for diving into the, the concept for an album and and how even a particular place can inspire an entire record and use for vision boards or mood boards to stay in that mindset was cool to hear about. And I just also appreciate what seems to spark other ideas for Fennec and the way he will use visuals to to help inspire ideas. So we will get in to that momentarily. I think the only other people I've had on the podcast more in this world was having the dudes from Neil Francis on the show, which is probably one of my favorite episodes of the cast to date. Definitely one of the highlights of the year. So if you uh, if you enjoy this conversation, check out uh, the chat I had with Neil Francis while we were out at Tree Fort in Boise, Idaho back in March. I think it's episode 303. But if you are uh, in 
the Portland, Oregon area. I want to hit you with a couple calendar dates, a beat happening events going on September 25th and October 23rd. There's Sundays, 3 p.m. to 6 p.m., free events, all ages, bunch of cool beat makers and DJs sharing the bills for uh, for both of these going on at Produce Row in Southeast Portland. And just also in general, there are DJs at Produce Row spinning vinyl every Sunday for brunch, noon to two. So tap into that. The link for Produce Row and the other sponsors of the show will also be included in the episode notes. And with that, I need to uh, go finish packing my bags before this bus gets here in a couple hours. And we're going to get in to episode 326. Fennec is on the podcast and we are featuring tunes from his uh, a couple of good days record throughout the episode. If you dig what you hear, give Fennec a follow wherever you listen to music and snag a vinyl. If you like physical copies or just having an, an absurd record collection like myself and we're going to kick the episode off with uh, my entry point track to Fennec and a track that is mentioned in this conversation a couple times it's called Girl let's do the damn thing Excited to uh, to jump into this thing with you. My en- my entry point to your music is uh, is your new record, A Couple of Good Days. That's and a great entry point. I've been uh, I've been DJing a lot lately, yeah, and it's completely kind of like changed my uh, my streaming service algorithm for sure. Really, and it's also something that has just kind of like kept me digging for music within a genre mm-hmm. that I wasn't always particularly like too well-versed in. I still don't think I'm like super well-versed in this like dance or like electronic uh, mm-hmm. producer world, but I, I have yeah. been like enjoying it so much more since I started DJing and it's just like kind of changed the way I listen to things. So um, I think girl was the first thing I heard and that song specifically along with a couple others have been making it into my DJ sets regularly since finding it like a couple months ago. But yeah, man, other than that, I've been diving back and, you know, checking out some of the other catalog, but don't know too much about you. So I like thought we could just kind of start with, uh, yeah, like where you're from and what your entry point in to music is. So, uh, right now I'm in Austin, Texas. I'm originally from, 
Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I've only been in Austin for just a little over a year, so it's still fairly new to me. Um, so that's location. We covered that. <laughs> and then uh, entry point into music. I mean, for a long time, I was really, I don't, I still like yourself, like I consider myself relatively new to like house music and techno relatively just in the sense of like, I haven't been listening to it all my life. I mean, I predominantly for like the first 20 years of my life, pretty much just listened to like, I guess like indie rock okay. or like, so like, so like that early 2000s indie rock, like the strokes and the white stripes, like that was, that was all me. The freak folk thing that happened as well with Devendra Banhart. Um, I was really into that. And then uh, I got introduced to Animal Collective, I think through some kind of like torrent service. And I was like, oh, this is tight. And then I learned, and this is like 2007 maybe, but like whenever whenever Panda Bear of Animal Collective uh, came out with Person Pitch, I was like, oh, this is tight. I've, I like sampling was like pretty new to me just as a concept. Um, like looping was also like I had never like obviously like you know like with any song like there's a loop of like they play the same chords in a row but like there's always like kind of movement happening and so I was just like oh wow like it's just kind of the same thing over and over but it's still really interesting just because like he caught you know a really cool loop and then the nice thing about that album person pitch is that he it has this really extensive credits thing that I have um, copied for like every album I've put out of just like the artists that he was listening to or that he was most inspired by. And so I just kind of delved into that. And so I would listen to like Jay Dilla, I would listen to uh, basic channel and like dub techno. And, um, and there's like some sixties, some sixties bands in there as well. And I was also like, so I, I minored in music history uh, in college. And so I was like, I was kind of well-versed in like 50s and 60s rock and, and that kind of stuff but it just kind of like added to it reading those those track listings and so from there it was just like learning more about music that like used loops and those repetitive and that just kind of naturally led to house and techno and, and disco and and all that kind of stuff and so yeah even when i put out my first kind of like mix album like in, in, in 2014 I still wasn't entirely sure. Like I didn't know house and techno that deeply. Um, and so like, if you listen to it, like one, it's a nightmare to mix if you're a DJ. Like if you try to mix any of those individual songs, it's terrible uh, because the tempos are constantly changing. I would, uh, I would put like the BPMs into like, you know, like 120.33 and then it would change to like 0.67, just random. Cause I just <laughs> thought it was funny to do at the time. I've gotten a few messages where someone is like, hey, what's the BPM for, for the song? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it just goes kind of up and down very subtly. <laughs> so it's just like kind of one of those things that like the one of the tracks that doesn't register in Serato <laughs> because it changes yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Or like it'll know it for like the first few bars. And it's just like the grid is all <laughs> confused. That's awesome. But yeah. So so and also like the, the song links there, the songs are like two or three minutes on, on that very first album. Again, because I was just like. I didn't really have a conception that like DJs need like a minute or two to like mix in songs from one to another. Or, and I also didn't understand, I didn't realize like that's why dance songs are like six minutes long or something is that they're, 
they're not like technically intended to be listened to from start to finish. It's that like the, the the beginning and ends are just like for utility. So just like from that album, then it's just kind of been like, I just listen more and I learn more and I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. And Yeah. So like before finding the animal collective, diving into the panda bear, getting into the like the looping and everything, what was your your instrumentation experience up into that point like were you playing any instruments as a kid when you were growing up were you playing in oh, bands yeah. in high school i played so i played guitar for a long time and i'll still like i'll still pull out a guitar just to like i i, I can just kind of it's, it's faster to do a figure out a melody or something on a guitar than it is like a, a keyboard for me i mean i took piano lessons as well like in high school but I didn't really take them seriously. And so I don't, none of that music theory stuck, but yeah, like primarily guitar. And then like, I would just get like guitar pedals as well. And he, like, I guess I, if I think about it now, I would like play around with loops, but I would just like, like I had a looping pedal. And so I'd like do something on my guitar, loop it. And I would just like run it through like a distortion and a phaser and like just make like really weird fucked up sounds for like an hour or so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in my mind, I wasn't doing like, I was just messing around to be, that wasn't like music. Like I, I never would have thought like, Oh, this is something that like someone else would want to listen to. So yeah. yeah. So guitar to answer your question. Yeah, for sure. And um, do you find that you rely on the guitar even now when you're, like creating productions like are you are you are you stoked that you had like like the indie rock was sort of your foundation and you didn't like dive into the other music heavily before like do you think that informed the music you make a lot now yeah i yeah for sure i think i mean i already like it's hard to not think of like songs in terms of like verse chorus verse chorus i mean even girl like structurally i think of it and when i made it 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 goes chorus verse chorus verse bridge chorus right and and so i feel like it i don't know it gives me that sense of like structure just thinking about that i i also have like kind of a short attention span and so like it's hard for me to make something that's like six minutes long where like not a lot happens or something isn't happening maybe every like four to eight bars or, or something and I think that just comes from like, I just imagine like my high school self listening to the music I make now and just being like, this is very boring. Nothing is happening. <laughs> and so I think, and so it's like this back of my mind, like motivation to be like, okay, like throw something in or change something or like, where is this going? Right. Like give this some kind of purpose. And then the guitar, I mean, I'll pull it out every now and then if it's something where it's like, like if I've got like a great chord progression, I just don't know. Like, I just can't think of a melody like that'll be like, a last resort of just like i'll pull it out and you know maybe something will come to me but yeah it's definitely like i think having that non non-dance background definitely made it i don't know it gave me some additional angles to to work from
it feels like when you make this type of music, you you have to learn some sort of production, right? Like there's no avoiding that. So right. did did that part come naturally to you? I when I was I mean, like when I was in high school and college, I got really into like I initially wanted to go to college for like recording arts and like learn to be like a recording engineer. And then I learned like I was not cut out for it. Like I just don't have the like fortitude to like be like have to do shitty intern work and like pay my dues air yeah. using air quotes <laughs> for the listeners. I'm just I just was like, oh, that sucks. I don't want to do that. But I am still interested in recording like as a science. And so like a lot of those principles have just like, you know, cutting the lows and like understanding what compression was and, you know, that kind of stuff. I kind of had those basics once I started like putting together more electronic music or like, you know, in a computer. But then a lot of it, I feel like I've, I've picked up just kind of with each album, I'll just like learn some new trick or like the YouTube algorithm will just like serve up like some random production video. And there's like more often than not, like the production videos are all very geared towards like very bright, like EDM kind of stuff, which I don't listen to. It's fine if people do, but like, but the principles that are in that are still super useful to me, just in terms of just like, you know, not drowning stuff in reverb because it's going to muddy up the mix and, and, and that kind of stuff. So so yeah, so I had kind of this like production foundation just in terms of knowing some fundamentals and that kind of helped to give a sense of like how things, I get to give me a sense of like how things, how, how to make things sound the way I could hear them in my head. Yeah, the, the, but it, it took you a little while, you feel like to get to that point where you're like, I have this idea in my head. And, and like, did it, do you feel like it took a few records before you were like, all right, now I feel like I'm actually like communicating the thing that was, that was there initially. I think, yeah. I mean, that's, it's like a, it's a question of just like vision with like, do you have the like skill to back it up? Um, you know, I, like if I, I still, I like, the album I put out in 2014, which is like my first one, that one to me sounds correct as it should. And then, but if I listen to like a lot of the stuff in between, maybe up to the album I put out, in, I think in 2018 called Free Us of This Feeling, that stuff in there, there's a, there's a song or two on each album where I'm like, it's so muddy or like there's reverb where there shouldn't be or like, you know, it sounds muddy to me, but it's hard because like I, and that's something I struggle with constantly. It's like, I have a sense of like what I think it should sound like. And that's why sometimes I'll just have to like take a break from material that I'm working on and just not listen to it for like a week or two. Yeah. So that it's, it can just be new to me. And because like, that's like ultimately like the, you know, once it's on like released or whatever, like the person who's listening to it, like that's the only version they ever know. They they have no idea that I was like, no, no, no. It's, it should have been like a lot cooler, whatever that means. All right. So even uh, it's just funny how your ears can play tricks on you too. Like when you're right? too immersed in something like even, you know, putting together this podcast is not a crazy amount of production. We're just usually listening to a couple 
mics, you know, a couple of voices yeah. and throwing in some music here and there. But mm-hmm. even, you know, you spend like two or three hours listening to this conversation. It's it's necessary to like walk away from it for at least like mm-hmm. 15, 20 minutes before like you realize, yeah. wow, I just have this mic up way too loud for no reason. Oh, wow. I've I I spend so much time just tweaking a vocal one or two dB and then I'll Google can the human ear detect one to two dB of difference? And like, I will go down a spiral of just being like, does this shit actually matter? Like, am I, is this, does this make a difference to me at all? I think it does. Does that matter? And I don't know. I'm wasting hours of my life over things like that over here on the weekly, just like, and I think it's just because I listen to so many podcasts sometimes where I'm like, why can't we hear the person? Like, doesn't, it seems like if you just move something here and not always, but yeah, <laughs> but that's also me putting like one to two dB in between these two words <laughs> because I wanted to feel like it was yeah. even. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will. Yeah, I do the exact same thing. I mean, it, with a podcast, and I think this is true for like any song that has like a minimal number of elements, right? So like right now, there's two mics, and like there will be some sound in between. So it's like you've got three elements, and they've got to be good because like. If one if one fails, <laughs> what do we have? Yeah. Right. And so, like, I mean, that's kind of something that like I have to work on is like if I have a few elements, they've got to be really good. But also to like not try and make up for that by just like adding and adding and adding layers, just to be like, let's hide how messed up it is <laughs> underneath. They're like, how let's hide how poorly mixed this this might be. Yeah, for sure. It just seems like. Like I was saying before, you know, if you're diving into this music it, and it seems like you have to have some sort of ear for mixing, mm-hmm. whether you're whether or not you're doing the final mix on the project. It, yeah, I'm it just feels a lot different to me than like if you're throwing, you know, some some guitar and drum tracks at somebody to like make this indie rock record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 that's that's like. I think it's kind of expected if you're doing something where it's like it's purely like in the box right maybe you record uh, a guitar or something here and there maybe you record a vocal here and there but if it's like primarily like an electronic thing even if you have samples and stuff right like you've got to make up for that you know i didn't play anything on this album it's purely just like in the box it's okay well if that's the one thing that you did or like you know then it has to be really good, right? So you have to like, you have to spend like extra time on like, the clap has to come in just right, r- slightly before the two and the four. Absolutely, yeah. You mentioned the, the free us of this feeling record and mm-hmm. I was listening to that earlier. I, I really like that So Far Now track on that one. Oh, you know what? I like that one too. There, <laughs> there are songs of mine where I, I, I just feel nothing now. <laughs> though at the time i was like this is good but that one i'm like i'll listen to it and i'm like oh yeah this one this one worked out this my my ears did not trick me this is a fun one to like listen to
like some of those uh some of the tracks on that one maybe were almost like glimpses of like what would happen in the future with a couple of good days like some of that fun vibe felt like it existed in that i mean that's something that i've tried that like fun vibe is something i've tried to have like from the beginning i was very i mean i still am but like i was very into just like injecting this kind of somewhat somber emotion into it like basically like juxtaposing like something very just like groovy and dancing but like I don't know, a little introspective. Like even on the first album in like 2014, like there are some sounds from the TV show Adventure Time that are like transitions or like, um, but yeah, so I've always, yeah, I, I try, I try to do something or use samples or make a sound that's just like, I don't know, makes me smile or, or yeah, something like that. Absolutely. And, uh, do you feel like the sampling of the small stuff like that, like whether it be Adventure Time or I noticed that it, there's uh, there's some cool like uh, hip hop samples of like on Bounce, yeah. you, got, you have Jay on there doing the yeah, Bounce. Yeah, and, and yeah, like, yeah. That shit is so good. And on uh, on Hemlock Groove, yeah. um, on the first record, you got that Buster Rhymes sample on there yeah, that, yeah there's a soprano sample on there too in the middle was that like a a thing like when you started getting into this type of music that you really kind of like geeked out on or thought was like very a cool element of it i yeah absolutely and i think i mean uh, i left out in the beginning when you were like you know musically how did you get into this i left out a huge component which is um girl talk are you familiar with girl talk uh not not like i i know girl talk but i'm not yes but i'm not like super familiar okay like the music um i i should add yeah i i think you know in high school i i heard night ripper by girl talk and that was just like that i think alongside um panda bears person pitch like that was the other like huge influence in terms of like sampling and i started listening to like glitch music and like kid 606 and so that that was a huge element and kind of how like at the very beginning, like I wanted to emulate girl talk basically. And so in terms of just like finding those little samples, those little, those little transitional phrases and stuff, that was something like that had a huge influence in terms of me having that be a thing. So like with those hip hop vocals, I mean, also just like hip hop acapellas and like pop acapellas are like fairly easy to find. And then as I went on, it is sort of like, I want to challenge myself more. And so it's like finding like finding songs where the panning is weird. And so like the vocal is just in the left. And so if I just isolate the left channel, now it's just a vocal and it just sounds like an acapella or something. But yeah, that that's always fun. Like with the, like the any kind of like TV or movie thing, like a, uh, a sample from that, it's pretty much just like at some point while I was making that album. So like at some point over that year or two, I was watching that show or I was watching that series. It's way less fun to like specifically go on a journey to try and find specific samples. Like it never works out if you try Absolutely. to do it intentionally. <laughs> Cause like, I mean, at one point YouTube has changed at one point you could on YouTube, like you could sort videos by like upload date and just find videos with like six views or whatever. And then now it's changed to just like give you the content that 
you want. But yeah, I I try to just, I mean, the samples pretty much just come from whatever I happen to be watching. Like, uh, you ever see the movie Malibu's Most Wanted? Yes. Jamie Kennedy. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, I like, I watched that at some point while I was making a couple of good days. And sure enough, there's a sample from, from there <laughs> yeah absolutely my my phone is just like filled with notes of time signatures from episodes and tv like while i'm watching stuff and yes just trying to like think of that would be a very cool little vocal sample even for like the dj sets and the the transitions oh, and like throwing yes. in things like that and uh i kind of always wish my recorder was plugged into whatever device i was like i'm mm -hmm. watching something on just because it would be yeah. so much easier then yeah. it takes so much more work to have to like go back and, and find that thing. But I, I do feel like my, my phone is overflowed with these stupid, oh, yeah. like random notes from a broad range of like TV and movies. Oh, totally. Yeah. I like, I only recently learned like within the last year that you can text yourself. Are you aware <laughs> of this? Yes. I have to do it sometimes for like, just kind of trying to get things from device to device every once in a yeah, while. That's my method of like keeping track. I do the exact same thing where I'll be like 16 seconds in to this episode of the bachelorette. Like, yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a good <laughs> sample there. It's, so yeah, if someone, awesome. if someone ever looked at my text to myself, it would just, it would look like I was some kind of Unabomber. Yeah. It's going to be a very confusing thing. Very for random notes. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a confusing thing for people to decipher. If, like, if I pass on and, and this phone exists, they're just going to be yeah. like, what does this mean? What is episode two, season three of the OC? They talked about the wheat, like smoking weed or something. <laughs> it's just I like, hope someone goes to that episode. I hope someone listens to this and is like, is he talking in code? And they go to it. And maybe there's a sixth sample right at where you just randomly specified. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I've never sampled the OC. And now that I think about it, I'm like, yo, I think the OC could have some gold in there. There's just some, like, so many funny lines that happen within, you know, especially shows, I feel like, from that era or from, like, totally network television from the 90s and early 2000s that mm -hmm. is just, yes, there is a lot of gold to be mined, especially if you're manipulating those sounds. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Are you usually going into making a record with um, a concept in mind? I'm trying to think about if I started making a couple of good days with that concept in mind already. I think I generally am just always making songs, right? So like, it's all, like that. It's like a video game to me in terms of just like, you know, I open up Ableton, I just kind of put stuff together. And that's just like a constant thing. But then once I like once I get an idea, though, that definitely start like, then I start to actively try to force myself to be influenced by that. And so like, once I was at Strange Bird in uh, Indianapolis, which is it's this phenomenal tiki bar it's like my favorite restaurant um but like once i was there and once i was like listening like the music was like phenomenal it was just this like it was a fat back band radio station i later learned like it wasn't even like a specific playlist it was just like the spotify algorithm but i was like this is amazing right now <laughs> um 
But like once I listened, like once I had that, then I was like, oh, that's very interesting. You know, what if I, you know, I would love, I personally would love to listen to something that had like a little bit of like that kind of exotica influence along with, you know, some kind of deep house or French house. And then, you know, I'm, I, I remember this, this Etienne, Etienne de Creasy. You know what? That's one of those names. Side note. It's one of those names I constantly see in print, Etienne de Creasy, and then I never know how to pronounce it. This is like a handful <laughs> of times I've ever had to say this out loud. Um, <laughs> but his song, uh, wow, I'm blanking on the song. I, I'm going to just, I'm going to look it up, but I'm going to keep talking so that it's not a weird pause. Well, if it is, we can you, we can account for it. Oh, that's know? true. I'll, I'll that's hope true. you out there. <laughs> okay. We're just gonna we're gonna pretend Do it. this will Do it. this will be edited because I need to remember it. Okay, and we're back. I remember the song. We're leaving so, all that in. <laughs> but I remember. Th- <laughs> I hope you do. I hope you do. But I remember this song by Edian Decreasy called. I'm not gonna bother. I don't know how to say it in French. It's all French, but I believe it translates to price shock. But it's just this great. It's this like nine minute, fairly minimal tune. And it's just like these sampled jazz drums, just like the soft piano and this like repeating vocal. And there's some like different percussion in the back. And I was like, oh, that song is sick. Like, I love this specific vibe of the song. Like, I wish I could take this song and just kind of like permutate it 14 times and see what comes out. And so, yeah, so once, so like once I have those elements there to get to the, to, to go circle back to the question of just like, do I go in with a concept? Once I have an idea, then it starts to really heavily influence because like I'll make a mood board kind of playlist of just like and just kind of keep adding to it, which, you know, you can listen to and you can kind of hear kind of maybe where I was coming from. But like, I'll just kind of like I'll almost just listen to that exclusively, just this playlist of like 100 songs or so and just like start to pick up on ideas and like I'll listen to a song and be like, oh, that's great. But like it would have been cool if it if that specific part kind of looped or it would be cool if you know, this part where these guitars came in, like, oh, that's, that's a great texture. I'd like to, let's see what we can do if we just take that texture and stretch it out for, for two minutes or something. So I don't go in with a concept, but once I do have a concept, like I'll get excited and I'll be like, okay, yeah, we can, this could be an album. Like this is something that would be worthwhile to listen to. And it's kind of, is it kind of easy for you to identify at that point then while you were making that particular record if you create something that doesn't necessarily fit there but might work later for something else is it easy for you to kind of recognize that yeah i think yeah i mean if i'm making something and i just it just does not sound like it would fit like that file will just get deleted immediately or like um I mean, it, it also kind of starts to constrain the choices I make. I, I just, you know, I open up a project, right? It's blank. I'm probably not going to, I'm trying to think of like a choice that I would not have made when I was making a couple of good days. You know, I probably wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have used any like glitch sounds, for example, right? Like I would have just immediately been like, no, that doesn't make any sense in the context of the world of this album. But songs that like don't make the cut for sure just kind of like stay archived. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of good. It's not good for this, but like it's good for something else in the future. Like that, like it has a malleable vibe that could work for other things. Mm. I'm on the 
Hey everybody, I just wanted to take a minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall of over 200 bottles. It's summertime and they've got their 45th Parloma on the menu, their play on the Paloma, as well as their staple food item, the rosemary garlic fries, which are easily my favorite thing on the starters menu. That fry sauce... I don't know what it is, but it's banging, and in addition to the cocktails and the food, they got one of the best patios in the city, tons of big screens outside to enjoy the sun and all your favorite sports, and the best part is they've also got free live music. You can catch DJs there every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., residencies from local artists including Spinach, Vanport, Sicko Side, and WWJP as well as DJs and beat makers every Sunday from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Don't miss local beat makers Love Jones and Free Tillman every second Sunday and DJ Slim Gweenie every fourth Sunday at North 45 Pub. Now let's get back to the episode. As far as the uh, the sequencing of a record, is uh, is that something you enjoy, like, working the puzzle pieces and trying to figure out how all the the transitions will work to to really create that front to back world experience oh totally yeah 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 yeah. i love i mean that's like each step of putting together an album or any kind of release like there's the stage where you're like putting together the songs and there's the stage where you're like we need more like transitional samples here like and then I just have to like really start paying attention to everything I'm, I'm watching and listening to. Um, and then it, like the sequencing is great. I, I think girl, girl only ended up being the first song in the album, just cause it was like, when, when the songs were alphabetized, it was just the first one that came up. And then like only after the fact, like I was like, you know, I guess it is kind of cool for the, because that song starts off with just this like drum fill and then it goes into it, which I didn't think was going to be permanent. Like when I put that in, which happens all the time, like I'll put something in as a placeholder in a song and I'm like, Oh yeah, we'll go back and change that. And then I never do. Cause I'll listen to it too many times. And I'm like, this is actually not bad. <laughs> this is just it. part of that. <laughs> yeah. There was, I mean, the sequencing for a couple of good days was a little tough because I was thinking about like, because I have some songs that are like five or six minutes. And then there's a bunch of songs that are like one minute long. So that was tough to think about the pacing of just like, do I want to have like four six minute songs nonstop? Do I want to throw or like, should I break it up with these one minute songs? I start to think about that. It's kind of like, you know, adjusting the, adjusting the vocals up or went down a decibel. It's like, I don't know if this will matter in the end, but like, if, if this is only going to get done once, I should probably do it in a way that I'll still be happy with like a year from now. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, I'm, I'm usually not as curious with maybe music that is more vocally or lyrically centered, but I'm always curious with, uh, people that make instrumental music of like, where are your song titles deriving from? Is it usually just like whatever (laughs) that, that initial idea was? So, I mean, the easy answer is that sometimes if they say the word in the song or there's a sample that says the word, that will just be the title out of laziness. For the most part, I mean, like, 
So like every song starts off with a completely different name. It's just like the file name and the file names are terrible. I like the file <laughs> names will be like bottle of ketchup and the P there's like three P's at the end or like, yeah. um, <laughs> or like, I know like one time, like the movie Serpico was just playing on TV and I was like, Serpico, that's great. And then like later I was like, that's dumb. I'm not going to call it Serpico. <laughs> like it, there's, it really increases the expectations if you call a song Serpico or like, Sometimes it'll just be like describing the sounds. Like there's a song called on uh, So That I May See You Again. And the song is called Meritois. But like originally that file name was Jelly Party because I thought that's what it sounded like. It sounded kind of jelly-like and it sounded like a little party. So I'll keep like a list of like song titles that I think like it just looks nice on paper. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good one. But yeah, the song titles are... It's just whatever, whatever kind of matches the vibe, whatever. I'm just like these two, these two fit together. Yeah. I was just talking to my buddy Brax about that. And he was like, similarly, when we were talking about his tracks, his record just came out and just like, he couldn't remember if it was like the name of the song was that like initial thing that he put as the file name opposed to like what it actually came out on the record. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, if I, I'll go through and I can tell you like some of the file names for a couple of Good Day songs um, because they're just, they just end up so different. Oh, Fonzie was originally called Dragonfly Doji. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's this like stock. It's for people who like analyze stocks. I guess they have different names for like different shapes of the lines. And one of them is called Dragonfly Doji. And I was like, that's sick. O2O on the on that new album it was originally called a beat but it's a b and then like eight e's and then the letter t <laughs> it was just I was just like I was just like in a mood where I was just like making beats yeah it, the titles are they're just they're random Fonzie's definitely one of my my favorite tracks off the record like thinking about stuff that's just like super fun to listen to and <laughs> throw on during a DJ set like there was something that as far as you know you were talking about how you've like always wanted to make fun music in some way when you were like diving into this project what do you think maybe allowed for more of that spirit to come out in this a couple of good days collection of tunes that maybe didn't exist for you like in prior records whether it was like the tools you had to like make the record or just like maybe your vision for it? You know, I think, I think maybe, I mean, the 
one of the first things that first things that comes to mind is that I think maybe I just got tired of listening to an album that I would make and just like thinking that like, oh yeah, these things, I should fix these things. And so it was just like, I just kind of tried harder. And like, I also took way more time between a couple of good days and the album before it was like two years. And then in like six months of that, I don't, I don't think I even opened up my computer. Like I don't, for like six months, I don't think I made any music at all just cause like I couldn't think of anything. And like, or I would put like two little drum samples together and I was just like, this is garbage. This is a waste of an hour. So like I, I took more, I gave myself more time. And then, I mean, it's also just like within that concept, a couple of good days is that like, like that's an avenue to explore in terms of just like something that's like a little fun or just like odd or it, it wouldn't be the same album if I didn't, if it didn't have that element of, of fun. With Fonzie, I also like, I love listening to like house music now. And yet I think it went, I just kind of like looked at all the songs I put out and I was like, none of these are particularly housey. And I was like, I mean, I can fix that if I want to, I can just make like, and so part of it was just like intentionally being like, I want to make something that is like, you know, not going up and down in BPMs all the time. <laughs> um, and I want something that's like, that goes on, that is like maybe a little bit repetitive. And so in that sense, like, it took a little bit of pushing from me just internally to feel like, to feel comfortable with having some, having a sound just play for 30 seconds or, or something, or just having a bass just go for a while, just like feeling confident behind that sound. sampling any live instrumentation when you're making these records or is it most of it being built in the box it's pretty much in the box my fiance sings on bahama mama there might be some like little hand claps maybe that i record like with an iphone um but for the most part it's in the box like are creative parameters ever important to you as far as uh your productivity or are you usually pretty good about I don't know. It just feels like you're you're diving into a lot of different lanes musically, especially with the a couple of good days. You know, there's a lot of mm-hmm. different feels there. I would imagine it can sometimes be easy to get lost when you are able to get into so many different genres. So is that oh, ever yeah. uh is that ever a barrier for you when you're making music? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, some sometimes you just have to like impose limits on yourself like i know like for a week i was just like for this week i'm only going to make memphis hip-hop beats like that's all i'm going to do and then my favorite of those like went on a couple of good days and so in that sense like it does take some intentionality like when i open up a file it does take some intentionality like to think like let's try to do this or like you know when I was putting together like a track list and it's like, no matter what order I put these songs in, there just seems to be something missing when we go from track five to track six, it's like, well, what could go there? And then, you know, just whatever song idea comes up first, I'm like, okay, that could be like a good transitional thing. And so now like I'm almost like reverse engineering the album to where I'm like, 
oh, it, there needs to be a song right here and it should be about this tempo and it should you know, be about this energy level and it should be structured this way. But then it's up to me to fill in whatever those boxes are, right? Like I just, you know, create some kind of mental template for what that song should be. But I mean, for the most part, it's like the creative parameters are just like, if it's for an album, it's then, you know, it's whatever is that world of that album. But otherwise it's just, just make a bunch of stuff. And then afterwards you can go through and be like, oh, these things kind of go together. Yeah. And as far as like growth from that first Fennec record to where you feel like you're at now, do you feel like that growth is just kind of being able to recognize those things a little more clearly, like where the missing pieces are and what needs to go where? Man, I mean, you said it perfectly right there. Um, yeah, I mean, the growth, ha- I mean, one, the growth happens just like if you, if you are making music, like if the number one th- like criteria when you're making music is I would listen to this, then that's going to kind of naturally change, right? Like as you, as you continue to make music. And then the other thing is like kind of just figuring out what you, like honing in on what elements of music that you do like. And so like for me, like I know I really like when vocals are cut up. That, that just sounds very cool to me. I know I love strings. I know I love certain like piano sounds. Um, you know, I don't like kick drums that are very clicky. I like muted kick drums. And so it's just like, you start to realize like, oh, these are elements that I really like or like, and sometimes it's just after the fact, once you create something, you won't know what about it you like until months later or whatever. Um, you know, so like on, so that I may see you again, I know I really liked, like I loved what I did with the strings, like the string samples. I liked, like with that album, I also like, was really intentional. Like I wanted to use like chorus effects more than usual. Like I just wanted like a watery sound. And so I'm like, oh, I like that. But I'll think like, I don't like what I did with the low end. The low end is too busy. I wish the low end was simpler, right? And so it's like taking those notes and just kind of like iterating on that being like, oh, okay, I know, I know I like that. How can we take those learnings, but now do them under this different album concept? For sure. Yeah. And like when you... When you talked about, you know, you wanted to make like a bunch of Memphis style hip hop beats for, you know, working on a particular group of songs. Is that something where you will just go study the hell out of like a specific genre, like a specific subgenre and and kind of like learn everything you can and then go make the music or just keep trying to keep your ear to those things? Like, what does that look like for you? I mean, I just... Like there's definitely a research part of like whenever I'm making an album, I was reading an interview with, I think Ezra Koenig of Vampire Weekend. And he mentioned in an interview in an interview that he was like in the New York public library doing research for an album. And I was just like, oh, that's cool. Like that you could, you would prepare or do research for an album. And it's true of like most other mediums, like artists will like, like a visual artist will like look at other works or like study, like, you know, the progression of techniques. And so that's, definitely an element um in terms of just like not even just you know learn, like going through an artist's discography or something like that but also just like a genre just like trying to figure out like what it what about the genre makes it this genre i mean that's that's a fun part of it like that's something i would do in my free time anyway right like that's not like i'm doing this for the album yeah i i would be curious about it no matter what it just so happens that i make music and so it's like 
I have an outlet for this. Or do you find that that you are mostly personally listening to instrumental music at this point in your life, or are you still listening to? Oh, is there a lot of indie rock that still <laughs> makes its way into uh, um, your, your world these days? Or are you usually just kind of like focused in on whatever is inspiring what you're making at the time? Yeah, that's hard, especially like, I mean something that I think that has changed as I like have made music and like as time goes on is that like I start to listen to things from like a very utilitarian perspective and so I'll listen to it and I like there's like a mental checklist of like could I sample this could I DJ with this does this fit into some kind of potential album concept and like if I can't check one of those boxes like I kind of default to like okay well what's interesting about this there has like you know there has to be something i can take away from this um yeah i uh but i mean in terms of like who did i just see it's a it's this band called ton starts ton starts band okay it's i can't even begin to spell it um but it's this like it's two brothers and they're this like psych rock band um I hope I hope there's a little I hope you play something from them. It'll be fine. Your listeners will understand. I mean, that was that was my prompt to do so. If I don't do it do it now, I will just look like an asshole. <laughs> nice. Yes. Um, but I saw them live and I love that. So like I I've, I've been listening to that a lot. I'm blanking right now. But like yeah, it's still it's still definitely a mix. It's just that like I feel like my mindset's a little different. Yeah. For sure. But like, I mean, I have like there are two like there are two playlists that I have going right now for like potential album ideas. One playlist is just like, you know, I've always wanted to do like a a UK big beat style album like Fat Boy Slim and like Chemical <laughs> Brothers. Oh yeah. That like I've had I've had that concept and like I can see the album art in my head. Like I but like I just haven't gotten around to doing something I haven't started around to like starting that. Like I've got, yeah. Have you always been pretty comfortable with the, just putting the music out? Like, do you feel like a big sense of vulnerability putting it out? Or do you feel like there's less vulnerability because there isn't any like lyrics to reveal much aside from using the vocal samples to maybe like communicate things at times? I mean, I think the vulnerability comes from the fact that like I'm releasing something that I thought was good. Right. And so it's like, if I put this out, there's the, there's this, the fear of like, Oh man, what if I'm the only one? Right. And <laughs> yeah. so you like, I have to remind myself that like my tastes are not so like insular that like, I'm the only person who will ever think this is cool. Right. Like there's like, there is a general relatability of like, look, if I think it's, if I think it's great, someone is going to think that it's at least like, pretty good but like in terms of like releasing stuff probably for like there'll be like a, a three to six month period where i'm just like really stressing over what will be the next thing i put out and then after a while i just get restless and i'm like let's just put something out i'm in that point right now where i'm just like i've got i've got like two albums worth of material they're not like they're not cohesive albums but like it's enough to fill like two albums worth and i'm just like let's let's put something out i was uh i checked out that only in my dreams record which is a soundtrack oh, yeah yeah i was yeah 
I was curious if you if there was any different approach in making that record in comparison mm-hmm. to anything else that you've put out. Yeah, yeah. So that was a soundtrack uh, that my friend, who uh, you know, he's a director. His name's Zach Cooper. That's my plug for Zach Cooper. Um, but he was. I mentioned to him that like, hey, I make music, and then he was like, hey, I'm doing this film about like dreams and this guy who like has a girlfriend in his dreams but when he wakes up she doesn't exist and I was like I love that concept like that concept itself could have been like an album on just on my own like if I if I came across that and so my process for that though was like probably not how movies are supposed to be scored like I feel like the way it's supposed to be air quotes again is that like you watch a movie and then you like match sounds as it goes along whereas with that I gave him I basically gave him that album, like, right. Like I gave him like 20 songs of just like different ambient pieces that to me fit with that concept. And then I was just like, you can use all of it. You can use none of it, but like here, here is your like sound bed to draw from. And I think he only ended up using like maybe three or four songs, which is fine. Like that's what I expected. But like, yeah, that was my process for that was kind of similar to like an album in terms of, like I made a like I made a mood board playlist of like different kinds of like ambient music that I felt like captured that idea and then just kind of like distilled different songs down into my own versions or like taking a song and being like, how can we you know, permutate this into like different versions? And are you are you ever doing that maybe something similar in style where you will maybe put on some sort of visual like outside of that project? Will you ever just put mm-hmm. on a visual while you're making music and maybe put it on mute to see what that sort of inspires oh that's what fonzie was made for fonzie was made because there's a happy days clip of fonzie in a dance competition and then all of a sudden he starts doing this like like russian kick dance Hell yeah. um yeah so like i once i had once i had the drums and the bass down for that song i was like oh shit this is tight like i would like it like I would like to watch something dance to this beat right now. And so like I put on this, like I just downloaded this like little like uh, Chrome extension to like loop YouTube videos. And I just like looped him dancing over and over. Uh, and I was just like, this is great. This song That's is amazing, called yeah. Fonzie now. Um, or like awesome. uh, Bounce was made. There's a dancing scene uh, in Ferris Bueller's Day Off or like at the parade, right? Where like everyone's dancing. And so like, I'll definitely, like I'll use that as like, like a composition influence. And so like, I'll just have that visual going over and over while I just like listen to the song and I'm like, okay, now, you know, a hi-hat should come in or something like that. Um, So yeah, that will, yeah, that's a fun go-to. It's a fun tool. Hell yeah. Well, I've been, uh, I've been digging, diving into your, into your music, man. It's been a, like, it's been a cool thing to discover. Like I I appreciate that. Like, uh, I've I've definitely been listening to a couple of good days a lot, but yeah, that I feel like girl is something that is just like constantly in my rotation. If not like on a playlist, it's, it's making its way into those, those DJ sets. And yeah, I, I, I never, I, I feel like I, I always dug a lot of different styles of music, even from like a pretty young kid, but yeah. it's the instrumental music of any sort like has been 
very big in the last like seven years or so and i never i just never thought that my playlist of things or the like the music i would be djing would be like so or or that i'm djing i guess would influence so much of like i'm listening to a lot of house and dance music and like mixing that in with like some of the more like electro pop and the synth pop mm-hmm. stuff and the, and the hip hop and the jazz like so yeah I don't it's know. interesting there's i don't i'm not i'm not critiquing it but it's interesting that you perceive girl to be instrumental or that like like to me there is a vocal and like and i i think it's i just think it's so interesting that like there's instrumental music because I totally get why it would be called instrumental music. It's because there's yeah. a vocalist on it. Right. But like, I feel like there's house music with vocals. And in my mind, I would never call it instrumental. And then there's ac- actual like Romanian minimal techno. And like that truly is like, no, that's instrumental or like ambient yeah. music. Like, that's instrumental music right. to me. I feel what you're saying. I mean, I love, I think that's, I find that very fascinating of just like, I think it's because I I come from the same place of just like how people perceive like house music and just like, how would you describe this sound? For example, like I had a friend go to, it wasn't Swedish house mafia, but it was like, it was some kind of like techno thing. It wasn't as poppy as like Swedish house mafia, but he went to this like techno rave with his boyfriend. And I was asking him about it because he is like, he's like a metal drummer. Right. And so like completely different background. But I just found it fascinating for him to describe. I was like, what did you think of it? Like, how would you describe the sounds that you heard? And he's like, it was repetitive. And there was like a lot of bass to it. And it's just fascinating to me because it's like, until you have the vocabulary to be like, oh yeah, those were 909 drums. And it was this symbol. And it was like that. Like you have, like, you have to go to your own musical language and be like, yeah, there's like a lot of bass. And it was like a lot of minor chords or something, right? Like, so anyway, I think it's interesting. Well, it's funny even like listening to music where you don't understand the language necessarily because that might as yes. well be instrumental music. And that's kind of like I think like that is what has really shown That's an me, interesting point. Yeah. That's like almost really shown me how much vocals are an instrument themselves. Because mm-hmm. that's probably when I notice it the most. And like when I think about Girl or like the the music you're talking about, like the house music that has vocal samples, I think I even hear it more of like, yeah, it's it's the vocals there, but it's more of just an instrument. It's just another texture. Oh, that's it's interesting. Not, it's not yeah, like yeah. something that's necessarily pushing a narrative. You there know? isn't a lyric that I need to follow where it's like, I'm not going to understand line three if I don't hear line two. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, with all that said, I fuck with your music and, oh, thank you, sir. and I thank appreciate you, you uh, taking the time to uh, chat it up with a stranger today and sharing where, where it comes from. It's always started uh, cool. strangers, ended as friends. Here we are. If you the ever want to cycle come, of any you know, podcast, if you ever find yourself in Portland, you want to do one of these DJ sets, you know, Oh, tight. let me know. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll do. And uh, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is okay. it's a it's a it's a program. So if we can get it's the Fennec, <laughs> it's a program. You can deliver it however you would like. It means absolutely nothing. It's just a, a goofy way to uh, to end the podcast. 
it's a program. He nailed it, everybody. That's Fennec. You can find wow, the music nice. on all of the things. Hey, I was curious, is there any more vinyls of a couple of good days? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. Um, there will be. Okay. One, the vinyl is super delayed. For anyone yeah, who of course to it this, is. It's of super course. delayed, and I keep emailing Bandcamp, and they're like, we'll email the pressing plant, and I'm like, okay, thank you. And it's like a... But it's yes, fun. there is. there will be more, because um, like... I'll print some, the people who got pre-ordered it, it'll get sent to them. And then like all the leftovers will get sent to me and I'll put them up on Bandcamp whenever this happens. But I, I am also eagerly waiting the, the vinyl to get to me. Yeah. I know that the vinyl situation is still a mess for everyone, but I did see on your Bandcamp that it just kind of said that it was fully funded or like it was successful yeah. and yeah, that yeah, the yeah. vinyl is going to happen, but yes. there was no indication if it was actually like sold out or not. So I'm happy to hear that there should be some more copies. Cause I would, yes. I would love to get one, but in, until then I would encourage people to, you know, check out any of the, the merch that's available, throw some of these tracks on your, on your playlist, check out the, there's so much music to dive into. If you're new to the Fennec world, as I was, there's there's a lot to dive into, but uh, I want to play the episode out with um, a little more conversation. I thought that would be in spirit oh, of what nice. we did here off that uh, a couple of good days record. Oh, that's so. it because it's a podcast. Yeah, see, you know what's <laughs> happening here. You're seeing. I I got through lines for this thing too. You know, this is a real production. This is a real. <laughs> do not underestimate this man. It's a program. It's a program. That's Fennec, everybody. Playing it out with a little more conversation. And uh, all those links will be in the episode notes. And that's the Jelly Jams. And we will catch you on the flip side. Portland, Austin, wherever you are listening from.
Hey, just want to give a big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their longtime support of this thing. Make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. You can also find the link in my link tree in my Instagram bio. Big thanks to Distro Kid and the other sponsors of the show, Produce Row Cafe and North 45. Stay up, stay tuned.